Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net with co-host Rick Bulow here for another HTDC podcast episode. And in today's episode, what we're going to be talking about is getting better as an artist and how sometimes we can get caught up in the expectations that we have for our abilities instead of enjoying the journey, enjoying the process of learning, which ultimately, at the end of the day, is really what the process of being an artist is all about. I mean, there is no other way to be because if you're learning, you're improving and you're going to hopefully be learning and getting better each and every single day. Um, I mean, that's what a progressive artist is. If you're never learning, then you're never evolving. And if you're never evolving, then you're never getting better. So uh, that is the uh, the topic of today. But uh, how you doing, Rick? You doing well? Besides from almost melting because of the heat, I'm, I'm doing really good. Yeah, good. Good to hear, man. Uh, so, Yeah, I, I got... I, think, I like this topic a lot, as uh, as I mentioned uh, mentioned quickly before we started, because I'm personally I've personally never tr- never ran ran with the thought of whether or not I was like on amateur level or what skill set I was when it came to skill sets of artists. Of all, I never been that. Due to due to me thinking with my mindset thinking that if I start thinking whether or not I'm amateur or professional, I'll start focus on that instead of focusing on my art, as you just mentioned. And if you start yeah. focusing, if you start going away from focusing on your art and start focusing on other end goals, then you stop improving. And if you have end goals as an artist, what kind of artist are you then? If you know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, man. I I totally get that because. You know, the thing is, is when we're so focused on trying to get better, uh, we we tend to get a little bit of anxiety about us. And you know what's weird is we start to get into this analytical, logical mindset which cuts off the creativity straight away. You can't be creative and logical at the same time. And just the fact of that, that you're focused on getting better, that you're trying to improve in these ways, that is what drops you into that analytical mindset and you're self-analyzing the entire time instead of just enjoying the process of creating. And I think that that's something that I've been struggling with recently, especially since you know that's kind of inherent with what I'm doing as I'm putting together this How to Draw Women Female Heads course. I'm constantly having to analyze exactly how my process is unfolding and then I'm looking at the artwork trying to judge it and figure out whether or not it's good enough to actually ship out there to everybody when really I do my best work when I'm just having fun and and so I find that I'm always fighting my brain and it's either in this analytical state or this creative state but the more I try to be creative the more I'm getting into this analytical state and so I don't know. Do you do you have a process of being able to let go of that logical thinking and click over into the more creative aspect of art, or do you find it just as much of a struggle as I do, and probably many others out there who are listening? Oh, I, I, it's a it it is a struggle because I am uh, I am very analytical and logical thinking and rational in my mindset. When I, on a day day to day day basis, and suddenly tossing that all that aside when you start working because that doesn't work when you put when you're going going to put a pencil to paper, then being rational and logical doesn't work if you also want to be creative. So what I've start what I've begun doing in order to help help my get in the mood is put on some music and just. Give me five minutes where I just sit and take in the music first before I actually okay feel like okay now I'm in the now I now I'm in the mindset so I actually take a I I find it funny because I take a rational and logical step into going into the my creativity phase yeah totally and sometimes you got to know what your triggers are, right? Like, what is going to set you off down the road of creativity? And then, on the other hand, what is going to set you off down the road of overthinking things a little bit too much? And it's funny because today I actually, you know, I'd had enough. I was in that logical, analytical mindset. And you know what I did? I jumped onto YouTube, found a cool soundtrack that I like to listen to that gets me 
into that creative zone. And you know what happened? You got well, into the zone. Exactly. All of a sudden, I was able to kind of chill out and relax a little bit, which is another component to creativity, by the way. I firmly believe that. I think if you're tense and you're, again, you're, you're just, you're, your mind is in a place where it's trying to judge and analyze and, and think about everything on a logical level, then that's going to cut out your, your creative flow, which is never a good thing as an artist. I mean, especially if you're a structural drawer. Like, I'm not sure about you, Rick, but when it comes to your artwork, because I know for me, man, I'm, you know, I studied the Andrew Loomis method, and I'm always looking for ways to ensure that I'm able to construct my artwork in a consistent way using particular methods and formulas. So it is a very analytical process. Oh, I'm, um, I'm trying. Work this way? No, I'm trying to go the complete opposite way. Actually, get get as many many ways in, into my head as possible in order to have as much much place for me to roam when it comes to being creative and try things out because if I do if I I know if I wanted to do it the same like you I, I'd get nowhere due to the fact that I'll be stuck in my rational logical mindset even more so I'm I'm force feeding myself with something with something as simple as speed paint speed paints does a lot of my uh, from my creativity because just by looking at them, even without even without them have commentary on them, I st you still get something out of it if you look look closely enough. And small bits and pieces, when I say, "Huh, that might work," I'll I'll try and incorporate that when I when I when I'm in the moves, uh, mindset of being creative because the more the broader form, the broader ways of doing things in in my perspective at least helps me feel more free in my in my flow of of creating and that helps my create creativity rather than i have to get stuck in in one way to uh, one way of doing it that will only boost my logical and analyzing sense of working if that makes sense yeah totally so rather than being formulaic you're a little bit more experimental with your approach rick yeah that's great man um, I think it's good to mix things up a little bit from time to time, but how do you how do you improve upon your process in that sense, and how do you optimize that approach when you're kind of trying different things out here and there? Is it do you find that there's th some things that you keep and then some things yeah. that you throw out, and that kind of goes into the overall key core approach that you tend to take most of the time, or is it just different and, and you're you're trying new things out all the time and, and changing things up constantly? Oh no! Well, in my sketching phase, I to, uh, when I do my paintings, I have a lot, re very fast sketching phase first, just to get the proportional. That it has always been the same because there's basically not many ways to go about it when it comes to that. I could, of course, try and choose and just start painting from the start, like like start with a with the silhouette and just start adding paint little by little to make it create form by that, but. For me, that's never worked. So yeah, as you said, I'm 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 you taking what I what I feel like. Okay, I can use this, and then pushing aside what I don't feel like using. It's uh, it's slow progress for sure, but I feel it helps me keep myself create a uh, creative in a, in a sense where I don't feel like it gets me off, where it gets me off thinking logical all of a sudden. I've tried that when I when I feel like I'm in the creative flow, and then suddenly, bang, logic hits me, middle of the middle of everything. I'm like, what am I doing? This is all wrong. This this looks like a mess. This is chaotic. Have you you try you probably tried that as well when suddenly logic hits you out of nowhere when you're in a creative flow, and you're just well, yeah. Yeah, I think you touch on something really important there, Rick, which is starting out rough, keeping it loose in the beginning. And that is something that I've implemented into my straightforward analytical step-by-step -step process, but yet at the same time, it kind of sets the frame, a, a create, a somewhat of a creative frame for the rest of the production of that particular art piece. Because, you know, if I'm trying to be too careful in the beginning and super precise that's what gets me and sets me down that logical pathway throughout my drawing and that's never a good thing but 
if I can kind of keep things loose a little bit in the beginning, keep it rough and try things out, experiment, as you said, and hey, when you're keeping it rough, it's much easier to experiment because you can kind of sculpt out the drawing in that way. And if you have to erase, you have to erase, but at least you're not erasing hours of work in that instance. So I think that, yeah, it's very important to be somewhat conceptual in the beginning rather than having something which is a 100% finished straight up and trying to get that down to the page. You know, keep the idea a, a little bit more ambiguous than that, abstract, you could say, and work the, the drawing into refinement from that point onward. And if you can start at that space, I think that what you'll tend to find is a lot of the people listening out there, me, Rick, um, is that ultimately at the end of the day that's what's going to allow you to get into the creative zone a lot faster uh, again because you're setting the stage for your creative success um, and, and you're not allowing yourself to, to get into that thinking that thinking mindset because I think that ultimately we want to do our best and we want to do the most epic amazing immaculate artwork that we can and so we have these huge expectations already put on us by ourselves, most of the time, unrealistic expectations of that. And I, I think that that's really something that can ultimately sabotage the success of the piece that we're working on right from the beginning, if we're not careful, if we don't keep it loose and just chill out a little bit. Exactly. I was, uh, I was doing a Google Hangout with one of the group members live some time ago. I mentioned it at the last podcast as well. And she was like, uh, I've, I, I just can't get really started because I usually, I, I, I usually, oh, she was used to drawing with a friend of hers and without her, without her friends, he couldn't get started drawing. So, and I, and I asked why, well, she, she just said, because if, when I'm alone and not talking with anybody, it, I, I get stuck in my own head and I can... I get I get annoyed instantly at at my progress when I'm do, just doing sketches and stopping before it even gets before I even get started before because there's nothing to take away my my logical and and uh, rational attention from the drawing I'm looking at but when I'm talk when she's having conversations with someone just me just me talking and drawing on Google Hangout together was enough for her to actually finish a drawing because she weren't in her own head she was just letting go which is another great example of of you you need to find your own ways of getting into that create creative spot. Another thing I found I found out that really hinders me getting into my creative spot is having Facebook open, is having Discord open, is having Skype open. If you if you're gonna draw, shut down every uh, almost every other way for you to for people to get in contact with you because as soon as that beep from messenger that you got a message you instantly go out you can't just ignore it because you want to see okay someone's texting me oh right? yeah absolutely yeah yeah you gotta you gotta shut that off right from the beginning because um again it what i find what you do at the beginning of the process of creation often determines the the whole frame of, of what kind of environment and mindset you're going to be creating in. So if the first thing you do to start your day is you jump onto Facebook, you jump onto YouTube, you check out the social media and you procrastinate and that's what's setting the stage for your day, then it's you've kind of doomed yourself from the beginning because you're not going to feel like jumping into work because you're already in that mindset where, hey, you know, I'm, re I'm relaxed, I'm chilling out. Not relaxed in the good way that's going to encourage creativity either but the way, rather the way in which it's going to just cause you to put the, the, your, your, what you've got to do for that day off. Um, especially when you've got the freedom to do that, I think that working for yourself either as a freelancer or as a contractor can tend to lend more toward these, the, you know, these opportunities for you to procrastinate on social media. And I think that when you're working in a studio, that isn't always necessarily available, especially when you've got an art director looking over your shoulder. Um, you're not going to be very tempted to, to procrastinate or, or waste time. So exactly. I think that in that, it's, yeah, it's, and, and that's kind of, I guess, similar to what you were talking about as well when you were having that conversation with your friend over uh, Google Hangouts. 
I think that one of the reasons, of course, that she felt that she was able to finish the work uh, with, you know, with less judgment and less anxiety about, you know, completing it and, and what it was going to turn out like ultimately was because she had you there to kind of offset her focus on it to an extent. And I think that when you're working in a studio with other people and, and you're kind of, you know, in that social environment, that can also, again... Uh, put your mind in two different places at once so that you're not giving the artwork too much attention that it, it becomes overbearing, that you're paying more attention to it than you really need to. I find this oftentimes when I'm in the classroom teaching a group of students um, that, uh, you know, sometimes I, do, I end up doing some pretty awesome work because I'm not judging it too harshly. You know, part of my attention is on the students. Part of my attention is on the delivery of the information for that particular a lesson and of course part of my attention is on the artwork itself but because no one thing gets all of my attention I uh, you know take my foot off the accelerator of thinking about it too much if that makes any sense at all oh yeah totally and you, you hit the nail on the button uh, right on the head there because on the head there yeah, yeah the head <laughs> yeah uh, sorry my, my, my Denmarkian uh, is messing me up um, yeah, yeah you you, you are point there because now you're speaking in the total different aspect of, of, because now you now your mindset, now you are telling telling everybody that you that it's better to have your mindset focused on a lot of things at a time in order to relax. Where we've been speaking the last ten minutes, fifteen minutes on trying to focus on being in one spot, which is the creative part. So again. This just proved that art is re uh, art is weird when it comes to being what mindset you need to be in because you can be you can you can have eleven or twelve things going on around your head and still be able to just relax and have fun with your art while it happens, but at the same time you it can also happen like like you said that too many things happens around you, so it's uh, it, again we we are speaking. We are speaking pro pros and cons here, and both things work if you handle it correctly. And that's. Well, I think those. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think those things actually, you know, rather than necessarily being distractions, I think they act in the same way as having that music playing in the background or having the movie run uh, as you're working, because again, it's another method of kind of splintering yep. your attention into multiple areas. Doesn't sound like a good thing initially, but. Maybe it, it it kind of is. Although you're right, you know, not every one thing is going to work for for everybody. So that was yeah, a, that, that was a, that was exactly my point. Yeah, yeah. And that 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 people and uh, people should try and find what works for them because Facebook, be uh, having Facebook open while I work doesn't work for me. But that doesn't mean it might work for others because some people might might feel the need to just have this two minute break now and again to answer a message on Facebook and then return. I've, see, I've, I've met people that do that. I've met people that's able to be on stream and talk and and notice uh, twit, uh, Twitch uh, chats and everything while they draw. I'd never be able, I can't imagine myself doing that and still focus on my art at the same time because it'll be too much. So there's, there's plenty of ways to do it and then I'll return to what we talked about Last week, again, it's all about how you structure yourself, how you set yourself up, as you mentioned earlier as well, in just this conversation. It's all about how you set yourself up. You need to work yourself out, like, like when you try to find your style, your approach to art. It's the same way how you, how you approach getting into the mood of being creative. Yeah, totally, totally. So it's the exact same thing. And yeah, yeah. I think uh, I guess getting back to um, you're totally right. You know, having having a solid process that you know you can go to every day in in order to come out with a great looking piece of artwork is ultimately key. Especially if you're working in industry and again in a studio and and you got to pump out great looking work every single day, that can really be of a major benefit. Um, what I, what I want to talk about though is is just embracing the fact that the bad drawings that you do and the sometimes unsatisfactory 
pieces of artwork that you come out with, um, ultimately, I, I think it's good to, to not look at them as a failed drawing, but rather as a stepping stone, a, a learning experience, a, an experience point, if you will. They're part of getting better, and it's important to remember that because I think that oftentimes, again, we tend to get caught up in wanting to be better and wanting to be better and wanting to be better, and that's all that we're worried about. And because we're only worried about that, we're not actually enjoying just being an artist. We're not enjoying those days where we're at the drawing board creating because we're so fueled by, by just the, the idea of where we think that we can get to. Right? And, and so we miss the entire journey, right? And so I think that ultimately the, the key is, the formula is to be the least um, invested in the outcome. Right, which means ultimately you, you want to be the, you don't want to be so focused on on where the destination is going to be and and what it's going to mean when you get there. Right, just know that as long as you're on the journey, you're constantly working toward that destination. You may not know what what is laying ahead of you, but the point is is that you're on the journey and you're taking in the sights around you as you walk the path. And, and ultimately, you want to be the most engaged, okay? So the least invested in the outcome and the most engaged. You want to be engaged in the process because that's when you're going to be able to, you know, we are talking about splitting our attention just before, and now it seems like I'm contradicting myself by saying to be the most engaged in the process. But, exactly. but what, what I mean by that is to, to really be there with your artwork as you're creating it and not in the stuck in the expectations that you have for it just letting it blossom into whatever it's going to be because ultimately that's the role that you play whatever the artwork is going to be it, it's, it's going to be that that's fine 100 percent. but you're the creator right without you it won't be there in the first place so i think that you you've, all you've got to do is just focus on your role in the process of the creation of that artwork and I think that that's the real key here because that's when you're going to have the most fun. That's when you're going to have the most enjoyment. Who cares if it's not the best piece of artwork you've ever done? At least you enjoyed creating it. And because you enjoyed creating it, that's going to encourage you to continue creating artwork. And just as a byproduct of that, of repetitive creation, you are going to get better. Those experience, experience points are going to stack up and it's all going to amount to, to you ultimately becoming the artist that you dream of being, right? That you envision at the end of the path, at the end of that, in the destination when you get there. Exactly. I mean, I, I have a student who's, who, who never works with an end goal in mind, actually, with an end picture in mind. She always just starts doodling, like making random scribbling until in her mind she sees something from that and works and slowly decides to work it uh, little by little. When I've tried that myself, that method, instead of having an, an end goal of a drawing in, in my head and just starting scribbling on, on paper or whatever and then let the, let it, let the picture form itself by, those, uh, by, by working with my imagination and what I put on paper, those are actually some of the best I've done. When you're totally not, when you, when you yeah. don't, when you don't think of the end game. Yeah, yeah. When you don't think of the end game, you don't get so caught up in that. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, totally, man. I 100% agree with that. You know, I think this is something that we we all struggle with, and at the end of the day, it, it's something thing that we can be blindsided by because. I mean, you know, we're, we're doing the How to Draw Comics podcast, right? So we're all here with one mission, which is to learn how to do this stuff and hopefully improve and get better. Um, but I think it's important to remember why we enjoy drawing. And it's not because of, of the, the end product. It's the act of creating. It's the act of drawing. That's why we do it. Um, and it is hard sometimes. But rather than it being a... I guess uh, this ordeal that we have to go through every time in order to get to the end product, what I'd encourage everybody to do, and, and I'm speaking to myself here as much as everybody else, is to see every artwork as a fun challenge, 
right? A an obstacle, the drawing game, if you will. You know, what do you got to do in this particular level to get to the next one? What boss do you have to beat? Exactly. I mean, I I live on a, I live with that mindset that I need a challenge in order to, in order to feel I improve. I need to take on different challenges in my work because that's basically been my whole life in a way that I found myself okay. I want to do this and this and this in order to challenge myself, because challenging myself, I always, you, you when when you complete a challenge, you all you always feel better about yourself. So if you if you if you stagnate into doing stuff continuously that you know, and know and know, you'll never challenge yourself and you'll never get past that. And it'll, and then it's when it'll get boring. Like also when it comes to comics. You need to you need to challenge yourself. You need to see okay this this scene here could do could be done in another perspective I haven't really done before, but it'll be fun and it'll be challenging. <coughs> and you'll start enjoy it more because then you'll also be have, be forcing your creative juices in order to help you. After all, right? Yeah, one hundred percent, man. So, so uh. you so if you do that as well as. Another another point I make to my students students is if you have a project you want to work on don't from when as soon as you wake up don't just jump into that because you'll fail start out with a sketch start out with a, a two or three warm up sketches before you get into the work you're actually going to do or else you're bound to fail because you will not get get the creative juices running before you already are into help halfway into your job into your work and then you have all, then your rational mind have already been belittling what you've been doing always yeah. warm up sketches totally man warm up sketches are absolute key um yeah man like you know i think i was inspired to to really do this as the topic for this podcast because it, it is something that I've been struggling with recently as well. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm working on this this uh, this new course for for HowToDrawComics.net, and um, it's been really interesting to see how much my style and the quality of my drawings have evolved over the time in which I've been working on this project. And I think that that's scary for me because what that tells me, what that feedback gives me, is uh, the idea that if I settle on what I've done today, then it's kind of like it's not going to be as good as what I'm going to be able to do tomorrow. And so I never, and so I find that I'm, I'm constantly never settling on what I've done today. And I think that that's a major uh, setback for me. And it comes into the the perfectionist syndrome that we all know at this point that I suffer from, and that many other artists suffer from. But I think that this is this is one of those things that that I'm coming to term with, understanding and cherishing the fact that every day is going to be like that. Every single day for the rest of my life as an artist, the artwork that I'm doing today will not be as good as the artwork that I'm doing tomorrow because I'm always making progress. And that is a good thing because here's the secret. Here's what nobody tells you is that there's never going to be a point where you get to that end destination. You know, we talked about thinking about way too much about that destination before and the importance of focusing on the journey. Well, here's the reason why. It's because you're never going to get to that destination. It is the never-ending story. There's no it's end your story as an artist. <laughs> exactly. There's no end goal in this. And people are, people are too focused on having end goals and destinations. But the matter of fact is... If you if you if you're gonna be a real artist and and really work as an artist, you will you, better now than ever. You need to realize there's no end destination for you, other than other than creating and keep creating and keep improving. There will be no uh, no there will be no step like with with like in other part, other works where you can say okay I reach my I I reach well I reach the top here I can't get any further. As an artist, you yeah. can always get further because there's different. Because if you, if you reach what you think is your end in one aspect of art, there's thousand other other styles you can start practicing with. 
Yeah, if you if you look at the best artists out there, you can see that they're they're just constantly upping their game. Their style is evolving, and uh, you know David Rapuza comes to mind. So you know I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but yeah. he used to do the immaculate pieces of concept art. There were digital paintings of like monsters, and he's he's very well known for the series of Ninja Turtle pieces that he did. Um, you've probably already seen them before. Just look up his name, David Rapuza, and then type in Ninja Turtles, and and you'll see what I'm talking. Talking about, um, but you know what? What ended up happening is he completely took a, a you know, a, a completely different turn in his art style. He ended up simplifying it all instead of rendering everything out realistically using a fairly traditional-looking painting technique. What he ended up doing was was making it a much more graphic-looking style. He used flat colors to give it a, a, a lick of color, and and that was about it. And so what he was doing and producing ended up being completely different to what everyone had been used to. And he got a little bit of a kickback from that. But you know what? At the end of the day, he said that it was ultimately down to him and that his fans would maybe stay on board with him. But at the same time, because his artwork could change, he would attract a new audience regardless. So I think that being afraid of evolving just because your artwork has taken on an identity of its own and people have become familiar with it, you've become familiar with it, don't be afraid to keep on learning, to keep on progressing, and as you said at the beginning of this episode, Rick, to keep on experimenting. Exactly. Did, did you know Tim Lee can draw manga? As well, an there example, you go. He's, he's, yeah. he, he never really does it, but he can when he's when he's just sitting and scribbling, he, he said oh, at a, in the stream, he, he he sometimes draws like those uh, Teen Titan Ghost uh, style mangas, and I'm like, what? Tim Lee does that, but yeah, he oh, does. In a, just in order, just in order to try and mo- move out and have fun, uh, for, still continue having fun with his art while he still focuses on what he's been known for. Another artist, and another artist that's actually in our community in our group is Vince Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah, his sti- the man of uh, the man of a thousand styles. If, if we have to give him a name, because that's the perfect nickname for him. Because every t- everything he p- puts up, every time he puts something new up, it's it's somewhat mm. a different style, but it still have Vince Rodriguez written all over it. But it's but it's still a different style, a different approach to things. And if anyone. <laughs> If you need any anyone to look up to or follow when it comes to the way of of t- turning things around and doing things differently, he's he's one of them, and he's and I'm sure he'll great, happily help you. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, absolutely. A member of the uh, How to Draw Comics community on Facebook, which is a uh, man. That community is growing, isn't it, Rick? How many are we at now? What like twenty twenty two thousand people? Yeah. Uh, oh. We are, we, are, we are many people, at least. At, but... We are many people. Um, you know, a, another person I just thought of, Rick, was uh, Greg Capullo. So I used to uh, be yeah. a huge fan of Greg Capullo and the work that he did on the Spawn series for Todd McFarlane back in the day. It was one of the major things that really inspired me to get into comic book art uh, in the first place. But his style went in a totally different direction as well as soon as he started doing work for the Batman series for DC and um, and now I think he's, I believe he is working on um, the Justice League comics or at least he's mingling within uh, those realms and working with those characters you know, Wonder Woman, Superman, etc. Yeah. And his artwork looks completely different, however I do see some of the intricate details sneaking back into his style uh, which I I've always loved and am personally a fan of and glad that that is happening. But, you know, again, he is a practicing artist, and I think that you'll find that practicing artists who are drawing every single day are the ones that are changing and evolving the most. Uh, What you'll find, however, is that artists who don't really draw a whole lot, what you'll see is that their style tends to become stagnant. It stays the same. It doesn't really change or grow a whole lot in one way or the other. So I think that the key really is not being afraid that you're going to do bad artwork because that's just inevitable. If you're growing, you're doing bad work, 
you're doing good work and it's all kind of happening simultaneously all at once. Um, if you're staying at the same point, you're never going to get any better. And if, if you're always progressing, you're, you're going to, again, you're going to be putting out new artwork every single day that's going to be better than yesterday. And that's an awesome thing. Don't be afraid of changing up your style. Have, right? fun, have, fun, but, have fun with what you do, because if you don't have fun, what's the, what's the point? Exactly, man. So, so, Rick, have you seen that in your own artwork as, as, as a practicing artist? I take it you're a practicing artist. Yeah. Um, so have you seen that, that your artwork has evolved over time, that it has gone in different directions, and that it takes oh, yeah. on new ideas um, as, as time continues on? Well, yeah, because after I went to digital, uh, it's big. First off, it's been more, more cheap because I do usually paintings and all that, and traditionally it was getting really expensive for me. But it was realism at that time, and now it's beginning to process into more uh, a comic book-esque slash realistic. So, like more Alex Roche and uh, Simone Bianchi. If mm. it, uh, yeah, one of those names at least rings a bell, but hopefully Sim Simone Bianchi does, uh, does also a Gabriel, De Gabriel Del Otto, just to name a few. Those yeah, and is, and is Alex Ross a new inspiration for you, a new influence? In a way, I, I've known him for, I've known his stuff for a long time, I mean, but I re really never thought that my art, even though I've been a great comic book artist, I never thought, never really thought until like a few years back that my that my art could be used for doing comic books and and in that aspect even though I knew Alex Ross did it even though I knew Gabriel Del Otto did it I think I think it was actually Simon Bianchi that really put me uh, put me into the mindset that hey I can with some work I can I can translate the, I can translate my re realism into working alongside with the, and working with uh, for comics as well, because I found oh, yeah. him. Uh, I found him on Facebook, and uh, I, I and I asked just out of curiosity how he started. And we yeah, had a, a and we had a decent talk about it, and he inspired me to. Okay, I I I've got I've come to a end part here with just being drawing the real uh, realism uh, stuff because it gets boring in the long run. I mean, you can all you can only draw that many. That many dogs and, fa and port portraits, after all, before it gets dull and stagnant. Even how many styles you try to put it in, in, in my well, view at least. So, so I, ha I, I felt like we are talking about right now. I felt I had to go somewhere new with it. So, of course, it had to be comic books. So I started to work that, uh, work my way towards that. And how are you feeling about the, the progress that you've made thus far? Well, it's actually. For me, it's simpler than I thought it'd be. I mean, of course, you have to, you have to like get away from the sense of realism a little more than, than than usual because, and that's where I'm struggling right now because my logical and analyzing mindset of realism that I've been training my brain to to look at all this time needs to needs to take a back seat to to my creativity because you, even though Alex Ross draws uh, draws his characters as real as he do he does he still over exaggerate the perspectives he still over exaggerates their bodies to to a certain extent after all and that's what i'm struggling with right now but i'm having fun with it and i can see it progressing into becoming a mix uh, that uh, that sort of mixture that i want it to be yeah absolutely man i I can see that, and and I think that it's a good thing that, that you're looking into these new avenues. And I think one of the cool things about switching from more realism into comic book art is that what you'll find is your style becomes a little more free. The, the things that you can do with your characters and the way in which you can convey them, because it's more stylized, you're able to, it's, I guess, push the boundaries a little bit more. And, and thus, that gives you more freedom as an, as an artist, at least I believe. Because oh, yeah. you know, when, when you talk about realism, it's, <laughs> there's really only one way to do it, as realistically as you possibly can. But with comic book art and cartoons, you know, and ca comic books and cartoons are very closely linked, anime, um, you can really 
experiment a lot. You can really come up with some, you know, things that you wouldn't really see in the real world, which I think is where the beauty and the charm of comic books come from, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, no, that scared, that scared the hell out of me at first when I... When it when it hit me of all the potential I could do with this, this I almost backed off and started going back to realism because just the fact of all the freedom I suddenly had almost almost made me made me stop and run back to to where to where I was comfortable actually. Well, why why did that scare you? Shouldn't that kind of you know take the pressure off of you a little bit there? No, that I think that depends because I, as I said, I was brought I was brought up with the mindset of of working the the realism and I had it all in my head and it was all planned out and I knew how it was done, so it was it's it was a matter of habits for me that suddenly got ripped apart, and because now I could do everything I actually wanted to instead of having all these set rules that I had to do when it came mm. to realism and suddenly they were just gone it's like yeah, it's like put, it's like a prison it's like a prisoner that's been in in jail for like let's say 30 years of his life and he, he suddenly he's suddenly released what's he going to do he's, he doesn't he doesn't have to he, he's not getting waken up by guards in the morning anymore he's not going to be escorted outside he's not going to be escorted to food he's not going to be told what to do he's not going to be told to work He's just gonna be there and handed all his belongings and he's and just said good luck. Right. And is that when you started to manifest these practices of, of experimentation and keeping it loose in the beginning, um, you know, doing the speed paints and really trying to uh, go out of your way to, to come up with things that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise have come up with with that more structured approach. Oh yeah. That, like, because I felt that, that that's the way I had I had to I was uh, I was sat in a in a moment when I was really thinking okay uh, because I needed to, uh, to find out with myself okay either I need to go all in on this and find a way to go all in on this or I just have to give it up and get to, and stay stuck in the realism work. So what I started to do and that's where and that's where Alex Ross came in. I found out he had he has a lot of videos on YouTube actually. Just short videos, just short videos, but still videos, and I just spam watched those, and I watched everything I could on both X Ross and the and the other that's worked their ways into into comics and where they told about their progress and how they they did it, how they turned it into being used as a comic from where they usually came from. And I started taking that in, and I started seeing, okay, I can do that. What he says right there, I can do this to help me, but I can't do that. So already there, I started use taking bits and pieces. And then it, then as you said, asked, yes. And then it came to me like, okay, I need to start. I need to continue being. I need to continue uh, my creativity by experimenting because that's that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps. I started feeling that the, the experimentation part was what kept me driven into doing, uh, focusing more on the comics, little by little. The more I, the more I experimented, the more, the, the, the more I felt like, okay, I can do this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, one of the reasons that I brought up Alex Ross as well, um, and, and why you actually got on to him and how he impacted and influenced you to take a different direction with your artwork, Rick, was because I think that that is one of the key things that we can use to grow ourselves as artists, to evolve in terms of style and even the way in which we work, the approach that we take. It is our influences, those who inspire us. And if we're constantly on the lookout for new artists who can inspire us, who can potentially help our artwork to maybe mature in an, another direction, well, ultimately, that's also another thing that's, that's again, going to be, uh, you know, is something that's going to cause our artwork to change, yes, but hopefully for the better and, and not for the worse. And again, I've got to reiterate on this, that's okay. Your artwork can change. We're artists, after all. Um, we may as well take full advantage of that ability and go all out. We, why stick to one thing 
when we can, we're literally trying to harness the skill set, the ability to create anything that we want in any vision that that we can conceive of. Um, I think that it's important to to understand that yes, freedom can be scary. That is going toward uh, before when when you mentioned the, the anxiety that you felt when you you went away from realism, Rick, and and started getting into the the comic book art and the more stylized approach where the rules weren't quite as hard set in stone as they were before. Realistic stuff. So um, I, I think that yeah, it's ultimately at the end of the day. It, being an artist, you have the right to draw and whatever the heck you want in whatever style you want, and it can be completely different from the style that you were drawing yesterday. Exactly. And yeah. And I really, <coughs> I started to enjoy that now. I started to take that in now. But at first, as you said, it was really bringing me down, and I was really scared about it because of the step uh, because of the many steps and I think that's what most uh, most uh, new artists uh, meets and don't know how to how to fight that fear of of getting further and they just instead decides to okay I'm fine <coughs> I'm fine with staying where I am instead of pros uh, progressing they just go okay I'm fine with where I am and that's wrong you need never just be fine with where you are where you are and that's that's a philosophy to use life in general really but always keep trying to be get become a bit become better at what you do yeah absolutely i think everybody has got a core approach that they take when it comes to creating art when it comes to creating any any form of art really any form of expression whether it be music writing comic book art <laughs> painting movies whatever it is everybody's got their core approach and and so what I like to think about myself as being, and, and maybe you might want to take this mindset and idea on board as well, um, what I like to think of being is, is this artistic machine, right? And the machine, when you switch it on, it has a certain set of default functions and, and series of processes that it goes through. And it is those processes that I put into, into motion when it comes to uh, embarking on a new a new artwork right exactly but what's important to remember is that you as a machine the artistic machine though it may have those set of default functions that doesn't mean it can't learn a few new uh, areas of programming you, you can add on to it you can modify it and you can actually create you know somewhat of a beast of, of a machine at the end of the day that allows you to I guess broaden your spectrum of artistic and creative opportunity when it comes to this stuff. So, um, you know, that's that's the kind of the way in which I look at it. I look at myself as as finding new add-ons that I can click onto the machine each and every day in order to improve my artwork and and really help me to create the kind of vision for it that that I kind of ultimately want to have. Exactly. So you 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 need to, prog uh, to keep pro progressing because if you're not in if you if you're not in a state of progressing you're in a state of decaying, as uh, some f smart man once told said. I can't uh, remember who. Tony so Robbins said, "If if you're not growing, you're dying." Yeah, 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 something like that, and that's a good point to have. Also, when it comes to artists, keep growing, or. or You'll you you'll you'll just end up dying. I mean, if I kept realism, I I don't think I'll be able to to mentally just do that for the rest of my life. I, I mean, I'm 30, so I don't have much life to go for anymore. But still, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think um one of the best things I ever heard was uh, to every day constantly be leaning just a little bit over the edge of your comfort zone and i think that that definitely applies as an artist try to challenge yourself each and every day draw the things that you're not so comfortable with maybe try out a style that you're not that familiar with and see if you can grow from those challenges and those experiences because if you're not brave enough to do that you're never going to grow beyond where you're at because you're always going to be in that comfort zone um, so be brave as an artist and, and don't be afraid to get better. Uh, your artwork's going to change. It's always going to be a challenge. 
It's a never-ending journey. It's a never-ending game with a, an endless amount of levels. And it's all about, you know, really that the challenge of an artist is trying to figure out how to pass each one of those levels, how to beat each boss, and embrace you know, it a little bit closer to the endless game, uh, the end of the endless game, I should say. Um, it's just about progressing, man. Dude. And that's really all that you make. You'll be progressing for as long as you're doing art for. And you need to embrace that, that fact. Heck yeah, man. Absolutely. No matter how experienced you are, we're all facing our own challenges. I'm facing challenges. I've been doing art for like, you know, almost, I won't say 30 years. I haven't been doing it since I was a baby. But, um, you know, I've been doing it for a good 20. I can tell you that. Drawing constantly, you know. And and I think that, you know, Todd McFarlane, uh, Jim Lee, um, Mark Silvestri, all of these artists that we look up to and admire, right now, they're having challenges of their own. And you know what? That's what keeps them inspired. That's what keeps them motivated. It, it, it gives them something to hold on to because if you're never challenged, then you're going to lose interest in the craft. It's, you're going to become numb to it. They won't stimulate you anymore. Exactly. Speaking of challenges... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like your laughter there. I found another trivia. I told you, Rick, I, I'm not good at these. No, that's why, um, that's why they're funny. Oh, you, you, <laughs> so you get some satisfaction out of this. You, yeah. you get some kind of... Uh, well, that's only because you Australians beat Denmark in the World Cup. Well, so this is our punishment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, my punishment. Uh, I, found an taking... e I found an easier one this time, and I thought... Let's 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 do it again. Oh well, fantastic. Let's do it then. Let's let's cap off this episode with trivia and uh, see how we go. All right, easy one. It should be. What super team includes a sentient tree-like creature? Suicide Squad, Squadron Supreme, Guardians. Guardians of the game. Okay, it's right there. Yeah, you're correct. Nice. What? <laughs> What superhero gained his powers after being exposed to the Orb of Ra? Hawkman, right. Doctor Strange, Iron Fist, or Metamorpho? Um. Should I put in some uh, Jeopardy theme music here? <laughs> Orb of um, Ra. That's a sure. That of you Ra. know. Uh Yes. Well, what? Ra is like you know. He's the Egyptian ancient god, Egypt, right? Yeah, and he's uh, he looks like a a bird. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say Hawkman. Let's try that. Hawkman. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay, go. Okay, who else? Oh damn it! It's was... it's Metamorpho, apparently. Um, Good to know. I didn't know. I didn't know. It says when billionaire Simon Stack sent adventure, adventurer Rex Mason to Egypt to retrieve the priceless orb of Ra from a, a pyramid he never expected him to return. Stack's henchman Java attacked Mason, leaving him for dead. But Rex fell into a hidden chamber right. and was exposed to the orb. Okay, next one. If you don't right. get if you don't get that this one this is one of those. Well, who knows? The listeners might be getting it before us. Um, I'm so sure. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, is also known as what superhero? Uh, Black Panther. Boom. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, I'm I'm impressing myself. I mean, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. <laughs> okay, so let's let's jump the jump the skill level a little. Okay. What building? What building served as the original headquarters for the Fantastic Four? Was it Titan's Tower, Four Freedoms Plaza, Baxter Building, or Stark Tower? I'll go Four Freedoms Tower. <laughs> no, it was oh. the Baxter Building. Four, Four Freedoms oh. Plaza, I think, was the one they moved to. I can't remember. I mean, it makes sense. It's got four in the name. Okay, let's see. Which which Green Lantern came first? Hal Jordan, Alan Scott, Guy Gardner, or John Stewart? Well, look, Hal Jordan is the only one I know. Um, 
Oh, okay. Let's go with A, though. Maybe, maybe it's A. No, it's Alan Scott. He, he appeared in July 1940. Right. Well, there you go. Who is there you the... Go. Who's the Scarlet Witch's twin brother? Wonder Man, uh, Magneto, Quicksilver, or Doctor Strange? Yeah, Magneto. Magneto. No, that's their father. Ah! The, the, the brother is Quicksilver. Oh, there you go. See, I should have known that. I wasn't listening. I had an answer in my head and I was stuck on that answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know how that feels. Um, all right. Anyways, cool. I'll so, say, I'll say that was what two out of four. Two out of four. Yeah. Well, not bad. You oh, know. No, it's the uh, same as last time. What you've got to understand, Rick, is I draw comic book art every single day, but my comic book knowledge isn't what it should be. I'm ashamed to say. Um, I should be reading more comic books. I should be going to more comic cons, more comic books, hanging out in the comic book stores with the other. Comic book geeks. Hey, hey, hey! I live, in, I live, in, I live in Denmark. There's no comic stores. There's no comic cons. There's no nothing like that. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm right there with you. I read too little as well. I'm lucky. Oh. I'm luckily just started following uh, DC comics again, because due yeah, to yeah. thanks, thanks to digital comics, it's a, it's not the same as reading it in your physical, uh, having a physical issue, but no. it's better than nothing. Well, yeah, it's better than nothing. But i got to ask you something. Before we end the show, before we wrap this thing up, you were talking about your art before. Now, Rick, have you got an art page up and running yet for our listeners to visit? Because uh, i, I got to like, I want to see more of your art. Like, yeah. I'm hungry for it. you got to get I, this art. you got to get the art happening. I am hungry for showing it, but, again, it just feels like too much time. And then I have to, then I have to give up all the time it's I'm elsewhere but I'm trying to I'm trying to work it out I promise you I'm not like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something like uh, to, to like your tutorial still come out it'll it'll happen eventually oh man so but see, it's, not, it's so, not rocket science like my tutorials you just oh, gotta make a, a Facebook art page you post out your artwork doesn't matter if it's crappy you just post it out. You and, say and it doesn't get... matter. It's crappy. Okay, so so you're gonna put out your tutorial tomorrow then? Uh, well, you know, as I said, my is <laughs> rocket. I know, I know. Uh, I was just kidding. I know, but no, seriously, seriously. Um, yeah. We gotta see the artwork, Rick. I have. I have to. I have to. You I have that, the right? we- I have the weekend off next uh, next uh, next month. I'll focus on setting uh, setting uh, my social media up at that time. All right, guys, you hear you heard him here first. Uh-oh. So keep a lookout. We gotta hold we gotta hold Rick accountable. No, I'm and, gonna uh, I'm gonna edit this out. We're gonna announce it. We're gonna announce it on the show. No, the, the day that. You- your your in, your Instagram your social media happening. We're gonna announce it on the show and get you some uh, some followers. Uh, I'm editing it. I'm editing this out, by the way. Oh, are you? <laughs> no, 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 you're not. I can handle. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do my best to do it. Yeah, um, but yeah. So, um, well, shall we wrap it up? I mean, it's been an hour, so. Have you got any other announcements, Rick, that you'd like to uh, let everybody know about? Or well, apparently I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna be on social media next month. I'll be I'll be throwing a party. I'll be I'll be having a beer on your behalf. At the, the, on, on the, at the Outback Steakhouse. The Outback Steakhouse. I'll be eating a steak and I'll be, um, you know, showing the kangaroos and the koalas your. Do you do you actually say do you actually say do you actually say shrimp on Barbie? Oh, all the time. Yeah. No, no really, because some Australians say that they do, other Australians say that it's American mockery, that you don't really say shrimp on the Barbie. Well, um, it's not it's not really American mockery. I mean, it's it's really just Paul Hogan. I mean, ah. <laughs> that guy. Um, but, you know, throwing a shrimp on the Barbie, look... I, I personally embrace my Aussiness through and through. Um, I love it 
when the the Americans and apparently the Denmarkians make fun of us. So, um, you know, I take great pride in being an Aussie, uh, not to toot my own horn or anything. Um, for some reason, um, and I've never got this, because I personally don't like our accents that much. I think we sound massively dorky, but apparently overseas, we're, we're the bee's knees. People, people love our accent. They find it, I don't know, charming. Yeah. No? Yeah. Well, let's <laughs> stick with that then. No, maybe not. I don't know. No, I, no, I it's know. it's a it's a good accent. It's a it's a better accent than some American accents, at least. All right. We're, drifted, down, we're right. drifting off. Many of our uh, many of our listeners are Americans, so um. Uh oh. Uh, he might be in trouble. We might have to edit that part out. How about that? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um. Anyway. It's it's been awesome, man. Thanks so much for being here, and to the listeners out there who have tuned in for now our ninth is it our ninth episode? Yeah, yeah, we are. We wow. are. We need to celebrate the uh, episode ten soon. We get to celebrate, man. We'll have to think of something. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. It's it's been absolutely awesome. We we've once again had a great time putting this together for you, and uh, we'll see you here again next week for uh, another episode.